So uh, today, obviously, is Father's Day. Uh, and if we can open up, we're going to begin with Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, we have here is uh, Romans chapter 8, obviously, is on the screen here. But we're going we're gonna to start with Proverbs 1. And as you guys are getting that together, Romans 8 is, is really the, the broad theme here. Uh, you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, and so the theme here is unpacking, uh, really, this notion of what it means to be a daddy, Abba, Father. Uh, and so we begin with Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, we begin in uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We had Kevin teach on that a couple months ago. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. That's kind of what I want to zero in on at this point. Hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. Uh, it goes on to talk in, in, in number 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not go with them. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, do harmful things. Uh, don't go with them. Uh, in verse 15, it says, My son, walk not in their path, but refrain your foot from their path. And so what we have here is in the Proverbs, it says that we are to listen to instructions of our father and also the law of our mother. And so we want to uh, uh, deal with this uh, quite a bit here on Father's Day. Can we go to the next slide. We're going to play a little, little I don't want to say a game, but it's kind of a game. I have some percentages up here. These are dealing with percentages of uh, millennials uh, or younger people, those people born between 1980 and 2000 as adults, uh, the studies have gone out that 23% of people in that age bracket, essentially I'm 36, I was born in 1980, so those people my age and younger to about 22. In that window, those people that are adults, 23% of those people cannot do this in their home. They don't have the skills to do it. A couple suggestions. You're not going to believe it. Uh, close. Making a bed. Uh, the study out of uh, the United Kingdom is suggesting 23% of quote-unquote adults, those people 36 and younger, uh, cannot make a bed. 26% since it's the United Kingdom is a little hint. The United Kingdom, they like to drink what? Tea. They do like to drink beer, but, uh, you know, we're going we're to talk about tea. Specifically. 26% uh, uh, cannot make a pot of tea. Uh, 30% cannot boil an egg. I know, look, this, this, this was confirmed by the UK and similar stats in the United States. 42% uh, cannot and do not know how to iron their own clothes. 52%, this, this now I think is going to make some sense. Uh, 52%, uh, Joe Kelly's going to like this, can't change their own attire. I can see that. 52% of people between the ages of 20 uh, and 36 that were polled cannot change their attire. Uh, and 70% uh, cannot sew a button. Now, all the older people are saying it's unbelievable. But then us young people, we go to the older people like, yeah, but do you know how to export a, uh, a PowerPoint into a PDF or a JPEG? <laughs> do, you know, do you know how to download for free from YouTube? And put it into a PowerPoint presentation. Do you know how to code or build an app? Like, what are you talking about, right? So look, look, before, before we get too critical here, right? Before, oh, 
times they are changing. Uh, but the reason why I'm bringing this forth uh, is because things are getting funny. Things are getting really screwy out there. You go to the next slide. You can't make this stuff up. Here's a website called the Adulting Collective. You're smart and capable. Your education just didn't provide you with all the skills. Uh, this is a uh, school which you can get a webinar. The older people may or may not know what that is. But it doesn't matter because it's for the young people. A webinar, or you can actually go to the classes. 20 bucks a month, you get access to all their content. And they will teach you, yes, adulting skills. It is called Adulting 101, and they have millennial hipster types. They're teaching how to change a tire, how to sew a button, how to make a proper meal, how to do your domestic stuff. Now, this is crazy, right? My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law. Now, before we start to put all the blame on the youngins, which there should be a fair amount of possible blame, a son or a daughter cannot learn how to be a father or mother unless the father or mother teaches the son or daughter how to be that father. Now I bring this up in public school. The kids are like, yeah, we're learning calculus, we're learning geometry, and we're learning all this silly stuff, but I don't know how to balance a checkbook. Okay? I don't know how to change a tire. I don't know real life stuff. I don't know what's better, leasing a car or buying a car. Now, a lot of people that are talking about this is that who should be teaching these things? So in school, they're like, yeah, the teachers and the educational system should be teaching all this. How come we don't learn real-life skills? It's like, you're right. And I look at the kids and said, that is what parents are for. Your parent, your father should be teaching you how to change a tire. My dad taught me how to sew a button because he was in the military and you had to sew your button. Okay? So here's the thing. These are just physical things. And collectively as a society, apparently, maybe not anyone in here, but apparently collectively as a society, our parents, parents in general, may not be teaching the skills. They do. I have these conversations in class with older kids. Like, well, who teaches you about economics? What's better? Like how to save money? All this. Well, my, my parents don't teach you that. Okay, so the school will do that. Who teaches you about sex? Who taught you about the birds and the bees? Or, oh, I don't learn anything about the birds and the bees from my parents. I learned it in school. So here's the question. When it comes to growing up, who will and who shall fill the void of these things? Shall it be the school? Shall it be the government? Shall it be the church? Now, obviously, I'm not saying that here at the church we need to teach kids how to boil eggs per se. But this is just indicative of something I feel is much deeper. If these are the stats on physical things, what if we did a little inquiry on spiritual things? Now, I don't know if something like that has been done, but what I'm trying to raise here is a level of importance that here on Father's Day, that we as fathers, and yes, mothers as well as parents, we have a responsibility. We've been given a gift from on high our children. And we need to steward that gift. And we need to teach them how to become adults in the Lord. How to be healthy grown-ups in the Lord. Now that becomes tricky. Because it becomes tricky if we ourselves do not have a proper understanding of what it means to be a child ourselves. So we go to the next slide. 
everything that we engage in, and I know I'm going to be defaulting to this notion of father to children, because it's fathers. But the reality is for all. Mothers, fathers, but really also in the spiritual sense. Even if you do not have biological children, when we grow up in the faith, we gain a responsibility to raise up another generation. And it may not be with people that are younger than you, people that are newer to the faith. We have a responsibility as a community to go and to lift up and to instruct and to encourage and be there for our other brothers and sisters. Now, the only way we can do that is if it really flows. It flows as, a, as a, out of a proper identity of who your father is. Not just a father, but Abba. Daddy, really, is what it has a little bit more of a connotation of daddy and And so we have to have our our individual understanding of who we are as sons and daughters with God. And out of that, we can then properly, properly instruct and love and encourage and raise up our children. You can't raise up your children, whether physical or spiritual, unless you have a proper connection with the Lord. And you can't really take part in the church and, and love the church and do what you need or would like to do in the church if you haven't done a proper thing in raising up and and, and loving on your children and instructing them. And how are we going to go to Bristol? How are we going to go to the ends of the earth if we're not taking our responsibility in stewarding and encouraging and loving and being invested in one another's life here at this particular point? But all of that, I'm telling you, all of this in life needs to flow out of this understanding of who you are. Now, many of us may not have had spiritual fathers or mothers who taught us how to boil a spiritual egg. But we need that. We need that. So, the reality here is that when we are children physically, and we grow up and we cannot sow a butt, or if we are children spiritually, And we grow up and we don't have a proper revelation of who our loving Father is. We don't understand His love. We don't understand the depth, the width, the height of His love. We don't understand what it means in identity. We're going to come to the same problem. You won't be able to teach your kid how to sow a book. You won't be able to teach your child how to walk in spiritual blessings of the Lord. So that's why I was using the stats. It's a symbol of, well, what's going on in the spirit? So... We're children of faith, and we grow up, hopefully, and we become fathers or mothers of instruction to others. The question here is, are we going to be ready to be able to love on people and to encourage people and show them what it means to be a child or a father if we do not have a proper representation? Um, If our perspective of our father is wrong, our heavenly father, then we will not ourselves father properly. Essentially what I'm saying is we cannot father other people. We cannot mother other people. Uh, if we do not understand what it means and how it is that we are children of the Most High God. And so today before we even leave this place, and before we even talk, you know, talk about what it means to be a father on Father's Day, the blessings of God, I am telling you we need to stop, we need to recognize before I'm a father, I'm a son. If I understand who I am as a son, I will then be able to properly father. There's a lot of men that grow up that had 
less than ideal circumstances with their father. And it impacts them dramatically when they are fathers. And it impacts them dramatically when they're walking out in spiritual truths. The same thing happens with mothers as well. So we go to Romans chapter 8, 15. We start to zero in on some of this. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage or slavery, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Messiah. If so, that we suffer with, with him, that we may also be glorified together. There are two lessons which we uh, need to learn uh, out of this, out of this Father's Day. The first one is, this scripture verse right here, I believe, is one of the fundamental foundational stones to our walk with the Lord. And the second piece here is that we can only minister to others, whether it's our physical children or other people in the church, in the community, we can only minister them properly if we, one, understand our identity. So two things here. One major lesson is that this needs to be a foundation to your understanding that you are not, a, you're, you're not crying out with the spirit of adoption. We get to go out and call forth Daddy, Abba, Father. So, you know, I was reflecting on all of this, and I was like, wow, you know, when, how, how do people come to faith? What's the process when we first come to faith? What I mean by that is a classical view is like someone shares with you the gospel. Hopefully there's, there's repentance that takes place. Then there's a baptism of water. And I encourage you, if you've come to faith and you haven't walked out in a physical baptism, that you come and talk to me uh, and we can, we can go forward and, and, and have a baptismal service. It's very, very important as a, as a physical declaration to the community. But this is like the typical process, right? We repent. We, we say the prayer of faith. Jesus, come into my heart. Right? We have a baptism of water. Uh, depending on which denomination you're back from, hopefully you receive also a baptism of fire or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we get things going. Uh, I'm not necessarily trying to critique that altogether, but for 30 years in my faith, I never really understood what it means that my Heavenly Father is Abba. I, I, I grew up with repentance, salvation, water baptism, love him, but I wish that at the very beginning someone would have said, you know what, let's, let's hold off on the book of John right now. I know this sounds like almost sacrilegious. Let's just take a moment and you don't have to get through all the New Testament and then the Proverbs, Psalms, and then Genesis, right? Let's hold off on that. Let's just talk. Let's discuss. Let's meditate. What does it now mean, David, that you're a son of the Most High God? That you get to go to him and call him Abba. He's your dad. I wish I would have cut my teeth on that relationship part. Opposed to, well, you do, do the prayer of salvation. Oh, okay, okay, do this. All right, go to the next thing. All right, now read your word, worship. Blah, blah. It took me 30 years to finally be like, whoa, I'm a son. Now, we may all say that. I'm a son or daughter of the most high God. Yes. But do you understand what? One thing to say it, and it's another to understand the implications of the revelation of the Bible. 
And it took me 30 years. And so finally some people came around me and were like, no, man, you need to understand what it means to be a son or daughter of the Most High God. It's a perspective change that occurs. Now, this is very difficult for us to go through. And I've taught on this before. It might even have been last Father's Day. We go to the next slide. One of the hang-ups that we have as, as physical sons and daughters is that we perceive our Heavenly Father in a usually in a similar way in which we perceive our earthly father. I'm not saying that is always the case, but I have found in ministry that it often is the case. And let me explain. One, we have the notion of an absentee father. Father that uh, brought us into life, but doesn't exist. He's not around. And so what does this mean? Well, one, on a modern level, today, the stats are today, 25% of families are mother-only families in the United States. 25%. Now, I'm not here to, to, to disturb or to conviction. Things happen, and I don't know the stories, and some may be single parents. But the reality here is in a broader context, 25% of American families live in a mother-only home. Of that 25%, 35% of those kids never see their father. And 24% of them see them less than once a week. Okay, that's, that's the one father. And so some of us may have had an earthly father that was absentee, right? Uh, the quote-unquote deadbeat dad, the one that's never around, don't even know who he is. If that's the case, if we're not careful, uh, that can enter into our spiritual views of our Heavenly Father. That my God doesn't really care about me. That He's just out there and He brought me into existence, but He doesn't want to have a relationship with me. He doesn't really care about my everyday activity. If you grew up in a household where Dad was like that, there is a chance, spiritually, you deflect it. And that needs to be corrected. Uh, the next... Uh, is the what we call the non-intimate father. The one who is around, but isn't around. The one that's there, he puts the food on the table, he works really hard, you know, he's working, 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 he's providing all the things that he, that, that he has for you, but he, he doesn't sit down or, and, or he doesn't go outside and have a catch with Now this was personally my scenario. I mean, I love my father. He worked very, 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 very hard to provide for us. This was my hang. I believe that God loved me, that God provided me. But did he really want to have that kind of love relationship? My dad, my earthly father wanted to have a love relationship, but he was always busy working, struggling, trying to pay the bills. So in my perception of my Heavenly Father, yeah, he loves me. He's going to provide for me, but does he want to know me? That what, that's what needed to be corrected after 30 years of faith. Yeah, he, he wants to. Yeah, he wants to have a, a catch with you. Yeah, he wants to talk to you. He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. Right? Because I'm not an orphan. I'm a son. I get to that in a moment. The last one could be the stern father. One that uh, is a little too strong. A little too strong with his words bites back a little too much, a little too sarcastic, a little quick to give you a little spank on the hiney or send you to your room. You know what I'm talking about, the line where the father has just become a little too stern. 
not necessarily abusive, although abuse may have been there, but a little too hard. And so many of us go through this one, that that's how God views me. I got to do everything right, and if I don't do it right, he's going to be there ready to punish me. Oh, the Lord does not want to give me this beautiful, awesome thing that I'm asking for and that I need and that I want because I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not... All that kind of striving mentality. Come on now. Anyone? Anyone have a background like that? No, that's not how your Heavenly Father looks at you. But we get so bogged down with these notions of our upbringing uh, that we may have a difficulty seeing the perfect love of the Father through a different lens. These things can produce various problems. One problem is your failed sense of identity in Him. The second problem could be a community problem. Now, I talked to you about the stats. 25% of, of families are from um, have, have a mother only at home. But once again, when we talk about things spiritually, we're not just talking about biological children and spending time and having a catch with someone. We're also talking about the, those people that are coming up in faith. We need fathers and mothers to arrive. Yeah. We need fathers and mothers who arrive. Who will take time out of their schedule to love on those people in the church that are fatherless. And I don't necessarily mean fatherless like they don't have a dad. I mean fatherless like they don't understand who their father is. They still view their Heavenly Father as a non-intimate, stern, absentee father. We need those people who have received the revelation of what it means to be a son and a daughter, who their loving daddy is, to spend time with people in this church and to encourage them and show them who Abba is. The proof text for this is quite simple. James chapter 1, verse 23. Sorry, uh, verse 27. James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure religion. Pure connection between man and God is this. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction to keep himself on the spot of we understand keeping ourselves on spotted from the world. We may even understand, you know, we should help orphans and help widows. But I'm saying the spiritual application, pure religion is this. When we go forward in love and in purity and we teach other people, show other people who and what the Father looks like, we need it. The reality of why we need this is because when we don't have the proper understanding and revelation, we can walk out in what we call an orphan spirit. You go to the next slide. See, those of us who don't have a proper understanding of their Heavenly Father can adopt what we call an orphan attitude. An orphan attitude does not understand the love. They don't know who their Father is. They don't know what they're like. They don't understand His love. And because of that, it usually is manifested in different ways. One is usually jealousy. Uh, another way that's manifested is always having to strive, work hard, and try to prove your self-worth to God. There's a lot of people in the church around the world who 
still take on that baggage. I need to prove myself to God that he should love me. It's what we call an orphan type of mentality. It also can produce elements of instability in your life. It can create levels of instability in emotion and in functioning in your life. If you do not understand that you're not an orphan, but that you are, in fact, a son or daughter of the Most High God, you then, therefore, will not understand what your rights are and your authority is in the kingdom of God. When we understand our place as sons, as scriptures in Romans chapter 8, 15, 16, 17 says, it's not just that you are a son that gets to cry out, Daddy, but it's also that you are inheritors of, of, of the kingdom. When you get the revelation that you are a son or daughter, things start to click a little bit. I don't have to strive and try to prove myself to God or to man. I'm already fearfully and wonderfully loved by my father. And if I'm a son, then therefore I have certain rights and certain authority and certain types of inheritance before loving God. Um, if you can come on down to the worship team. So, what am I trying to get at today? Before we can walk out and be fathers and mothers, we need to stop and we need to understand who we are as sons and daughters. He's not just a stern father. He's not an absentee parent. He is there. He loves you. Many of us can't understand all of this because of the way that we were raised. He's not just your father, he is your Abba. There is a closer, sweeter essence to the name. He's my daddy. My daughter does not call me father. My daughter calls me daddy. There are two... There's a lot, but it's really two main points. Be a little gracious to you, theologians. It's really two main points. I, I think of the Bible. We really like break it down. We gotta like really simplify things. What, what are like the two major points of the Bible? And I'll, I'll receive correction later if you guys think maybe there's other ones that are more paramount. But when I really read the story, the collective story of the of the Bible. There are two things that I, that I see are the main, main theme. Uh, the one is that his name shall be glorified and hallowed in all of the earth. But the purpose of it all is to lift up his holy name, to give him glory, and to give him honor. That's a main theme of the Bible. And the second main theme, all throughout the Bible, that this is one extremely long and deep found love letter to sons and daughters. You can get whatever theologian who wants to come up with all these different types of things. The plot, the summary, the focus of the Bible is that God's name shall be hallowed and glorified, that his kingdom will come on earth, and that he's yearning for you. It's a commitment of love and a contract of a bridegroom on a bride wanting to know you and to love you. That's how much he loves us. And what's so amazing is that with the coming of the Messiah, 
He wants His name to be glorified and hallowed through using His sons and daughters. You go out into the world. You are going to do even greater things than I have done, Jesus. You're going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You're going to see the dead raised. You're going to see people be healed. You're going to see the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. Scriptures say that you and I will be the judges over peoples and kingdoms. He's not just a father. He is a loving daddy that loves you more than anything else. It's actually the complete summation of the Bible. This thing is like all here to show his love for you and that he loves you and he wants to have fellowship with you. He makes man. And he doesn't just say that it was good. He says that it was tov ma'od. It was very good. All the other creation is good. It's pretty cool. It's whatever. But when he makes man, he stops. He says, oh, it's very good. He wanted to make you to have relationship with you. So how on earth can we say, oh, my loving father or my loving father doesn't really want to have a relationship with you? It's the whole kind of purpose of the Bible, in a sense. He made you to have fellowship, to give honor and glory to your heavenly Father. Now, of course, Satan came and tried to destroy all of them. But ever from the beginning, God, through the prophets, through the law, through the New Testament, through the book of Acts, through Revelation, has just been calling out, calling out, calling out, my beloved, come unto me. My beloved, come back to me. I love you more than anything could ever love you. I know every hair on your head. I knew you before you were informed of your mother's womb. I love you more than your earthly father or mother can even dream of. I love you so much that even though you did not come back to me, I chose to come down and restore the ministry of reconciliation as it says in 2 Corinthians. That's how much he loves you. That even through our disobedience, he saw that no man was worthy. So he came down from his own right hand, he brought forth salvation. He, sitting in heaven, came to earth, took on the realities of man. Being fully man and fully God, took on all of the pain, all of the sin. The darkest moment in Jesus' life is when he was there and he took on the sins of the world and he was separated from the Father. He did that for you and for me. If we do not get rid of the false perception of how he loves you and that he doesn't love you enough, you've got to prove this and you've got to strive after this and you compare yourself with all the other people, then you're living as an orphan. You're living as an orphan. A son is entitled to the inheritance. Lord, I get to receive your love every moment of the day. I get to have access to you every moment. Even if I goof up, even if I do something wrong, you're there, right beside me, right next to me, loving me, saying, Daddy, come up to my, son, come up to my lap, just sit on my lap for a while. This is the story of the Bible. He wants to make his sons and daughters be transformed into a glorious bride that he's coming back for, man. This is why we can walk out our faith like Jesus. This is why we can walk out the faith with the dove, the Holy Spirit being upon us. This is why and how we can walk out bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is why we can pray for and believe and expect healing. Tonsils being fine, heart being fine. 
people being raised from the dead, communities transformed. If you think that those things are too much, it's because you're living as an orphan. As a son, I'm like, my daddy, he's given me all spiritual blessings, as it says in the book of Ephesians, because of Christ Jesus. All, not some, all. This is how, this is why we can have peace and authority in all things because our loving Father even when we were in complete sin He loved us so much that He came down and gave it all. Man, if I'm redeemed by the blood I can't even imagine what it must be like. If I was a sinner He came. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm pure. I'm spotless before daughters that arise up to fathers and mothers. Lord, that people would just arise up to the calling on their life. Not just be a son and not just be a daughter. Now to be able to be fathers and mothers to others. Lord, the people perish for a lack of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, I pray that as the book of Proverbs has said, that we would listen to the instruction of our father and the law of our mother. Father, I pray for mothers and fathers to arise in our midst. That they arise in our midst. That they come forward with the appropriate, correct revelation of what it means to be a son, what it means to be a daughter, so that they can replicate the kingdom. Lord, those people that are their souls have been bruised. Their perception has been off. Lord, that they can, by your spirit, just push that inside and say, wait a minute. You mean all of this? All of this around? All of this has, has been created so my Father's name can be glorified and that he's just, he just wants that above all else. He just wants to have a relationship with me.
He's coming back for his bride, man. That's the end of the story. The beginning of the story is the creation of the bride. The end of the story is the coming back for that bride. Come on, we just need to receive that. Ah, oh, Jesus, let's stand. Oh, Father, I pray that we can go forward in this Father's Day rejoicing in the fact. Rejoicing in the fact that you're a loving daddy. loving daddy a loving daddy a loving daddy father we just pray against any stronghold any falsehood any high fault it says that we're not worthy uh, his blood made you worthy to receive his love to know him encourage you just to stay in the presence of the Lord there is no cafe today for Father's Day but I want to end on this note I just want to have Millie come up and give a, a, a quick testimony of a vision that she had and when she's done with that I want that story and that depiction just to sink inside of you Feel free to stay. We'll, we'll be here to minister and pray for you if you need it. Or you can go. But let's just hear this wonderful, wonderful depiction of the love of the Father. Praise God. When I was about 18, 19, or 20 years old, I remember that I was going to a very difficult time in my life because... Um, I was not raised with a father. And so I had this vision or dream that I was sitting in the father's lap while he was sitting on his throne. And I feel today that that's what God wants to bring to us, that we are his children, his little girl, his little boy and his love for us is so deep and it's just the same as you sitting on his lap so no matter what we go through we have to remember that the father's love is as great because we are his children his little girl and his little boy he's our daddy and he loves us so. And we have to believe that, that he is our daddy. God bless. Thank you, Millie. And as you depart today, remember if you are a father, we'll have uh, Pastor Ramon and uh, Kevin giving those, uh, those gift cards. So have a wonderful week. But also, please feel free to just stay and be ministered to and minister to the Lord. Have a wonderful week.